As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio. It's employees or affiliates we make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs services or products mentioned on air or on our web no liability explicit or implied shall be extended to w4wn radio its employees or affiliates any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts thank you for choosing w4wn radio this is beyond confidence with your host divya park do you want to live a more fulfilling life do you want to live your legacy and achieve your personal professional and financial goals well, coming up on Divya Park's Beyond Confidence, you will hear real stories of leaders, entrepreneurs, and achievers who have stepped into discomfort, shattered their status quo, and are living the life they want. You will learn how relationships are the key to achieving your aspirations and financial goals. Moving your career or business forward does not have to happen at the expense of your personal or family life, or vice versa. Learn more at www.diviapark.com and you can connect with Divya at contact at diviapark.com. This is Beyond Confidence. And now here's your host, Divya Park. Good morning, listeners. So thrilled to be here with you all. And for those of you who have got a book, Expert to Influencer and The Entrepreneur's Garden and any of the other books, thank you, thank you, thank you, because... Partial profits from our books go to kiva.org and help entrepreneurs all across the globe. And I'm inviting you, especially as we are moving towards Thanksgiving. I know that's still some ways off. You know, we still have to get through Halloween. Take that time, just one hour of your time every month, and share it with someone with no strings attached. And also, Jeannie, thank you for reaching out to us and sharing how your medical bills impacted you being an entrepreneur and how it really impacted not only your personal life, but your business. And that's the whole reason we have brought our guest today. So without further ado, let's invite your guest. Welcome. Dr. Reggie Bride Ellington. Good morning, Divya. Thank you for having me. 
Oh, it's a pleasure. So let's begin at the beginning. When you were a child, do you recall playing doctor or <laughs> having an inkling that you were going to grow up and become a doctor? Yeah. So you know what, Divya, I'm going to be dating myself here, but I was uh, I was born and raised in well, born and and pretty much uh, raised in the Detroit area, and that was during the time that the auto industry which, you know, the big three, you know, GM, Chrysler, you know, Ford, that's where, you know, Motor City, Detroit, right? So during this time, um, they were doing a lot of layoffs. The, the automotive industry totally transitioned in the late 70s. And I remember going to, uh, I would commute in with my parents. They would, you know, my mom would drop my dad off at work. My mom would drop me and my brother off at school and she'd go to work. And so we would have to commute, you know, even though um, they worked in Detroit still, we had moved out to a rural area and had to commute an in. And my dad always, always listened to the news, you know, the whole time, right? And I would hear all these stories about these people getting the massive, massive layoffs. It was a big paradigm industry shift, period, for the, for the whole country, but definitely for the Detroit area. And I remember hearing these stories. I was nine years old. And I remember hearing these stories about these people getting laid off. And I thought, oh my gosh, these people, they have families. What are they going to do? How are they going to eat? How? What are they going to do? And right then and there, I thought, you know what? I'm going to have to think of something when I grow up, what I'm going to do that no matter what, someone's always going to need me. They can't. I can't get laid off. And I thought, <laughs> okay, well, what happens no matter what in life? You get sick and then eventually you die. Even if you never get sick, eventually you'll die. Right? And I thought, well, you know, no, I, I cannot be a mortician because I don't want to be sad all the time. I'll be crying all the time. You know, you're around sad people and sad, you know, no way. I thought, okay, well, I'll have to become a doctor. And I thought no matter what, even if there's no money, um, people will pay me with like pies or with like lobsters or food. So that's where my mind was. I, <laughs> I, you know, we'll work for food. We'll operate for food. That was my, I, I swear as a little kid, you know, um, uh, I had a relative who said, Virgie has a one track mind. I mean, all she thinks about is food. But anyway, it's, that was decision I made. You know, if, if there's no money, at least I know that they'll pay me in, <laughs> in pies. <laughs> so that's what did it, Divya. And then fast forward, um, when I was 14, I wanted to work, you know, get out of the house. And again, we lived in a rural area. There wasn't a lot of things to do other than like working at a you know fast food place or something. But my mom needed to, I was only 14 and in that state at that time, you had to be like 16 to get your working papers to be able to work. And my mother would not lie for me and say I was 16. So I had to think of something to do to get out of the house. And the only thing I could do was basically be a candy striper. And so I ended up being a candy striper at this nursing home. And I remember walking around and one day I saw this guy in a long white lab coat and a doctor coat I, I recognized. And he was going in and out of the rooms. And I thought, holy cow, this guy gets to talk to old people all day. That's what I'm going to do. 
And the rest is history. That's exactly what I did. And that was the decisions, the, the impetus to get me to say, you know what, I'm going to be a physician. That's my thing in this system of things. So there may be folks who may not know what's a candy stripe or who is a candy striper. So if you want to elaborate, you know, they are yeah. volunteers between the age of 14 to 18. So that Yes, great. exactly. So young teenagers um, between 13 or 14 up to right 18 who volunteer. So I started off a volunteer at a local hospital and I just loved just sitting and talking with the, it ended up being seniors that were usually there. And um, you, you pass water, you refresh their water, um, refill the water, and just you know, bring them books, that kind of thing. Uh, keep them company if they want company, ask if they want company, and that's it. Yeah, and, and that's the key. We don't realize that how important it is to take our next generation and expose them to different opportunities. Because when kids are exposed to different opportunities, they can either take to it or not take to it and make an informed decision as they're growing up rather than finding out, oh, gosh, I've been in the job for four years and I hate it. Or I am paying those awesome increasingly fees every year for <laughs> the educational institutions and then realizing, ah, mom, dad, I spent four years. And I've got this huge student loan and debt on my yeah. head. I don't yeah. think so like it. So yeah. that's so powerful that it was great that, you know, you were able to get exposure. So as you continued growing, what was your focus in high school? Like, did you continue taking healthcare sciences and mm -hmm. extracurricular activities and focused on that area? No, um, in my uh, I have to tell you, the rural area we grew up, the tax base was limited. For instance, like the, um, many of the roads, including the road that we grew up on. So we moved from, um, my parents moved from Detroit to this rural area um, outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan, where the University of Michigan University is, um, uh, University of Michigan is, campuses, uh, when I was about nine. So um from age, so basically from grade school through high school, I went to this uh, public school in a rural area where there weren't a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. So the, I can't think, I don't think there were any extracurricular activities other than sports. And I was not an athlete. Um, I think I tried out to be a basketball announcer, you know, like in middle school or something in high school. And they were like, you can't, you don't know what's going on with the game. How can you be an announcer? Okay. So I did like a radio announcer thing in the morning, like in, that's in high school and that's all I did. Um, so there were a lot of extracurricular activities. And I think there may have been a couple of AP classes, mm -hmm. um, advanced placement classes, mm -hmm. if I remember correctly. And that was it. And foreign languages. I'm glad that we had that. Um, and that was it. So I just took the regular college prep stuff that I knew I'd need for, you know, for undergrad. And when that was it, I didn't really think about, I showed up for every like placement test. I showed up for like, okay, PSAT, then SAT, then ACT. And then there was a, I can't remember the name for the test to place into the military. And I showed up for that too. 
And for <laughs> that, I swear, for 10 years, I kept getting mailings from different branches of the military trying to say, hey, don't you want to join us? You know, um, I was like, wow, I, I did that by mistake. But I would just show up every day. Well, they say 80 uh, percent of success, 90 percent of success is just showing up. So that's all I did. Very true. And it's amazing because we takes so many things for granted. So I used to be a mentor coach for a robotics team. Mm -hmm. And they used to go out and volunteer in different schools. And then that's where, again, we would realize that, you know, so many schools don't have those kind of programs. And especially if you're living in city, there's so, area. Yeah, there's so many options open and so many opportunities that the young ones can explore. So this, again, brings back home the point. It doesn't matter. You could be in the United States, but depending on certain area, you may not have all those opportunities. Yeah. So, and there's, as you a, said, there's a big wealth gap, which, you know, mm -hmm. we're talking about health issues. And as, as a physician, you know, that's why there's a health gap. You know, wealth is health. If you don't have financial resources, you're not going to have access to resources for health care, for your care. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why there's a huge divide because there's a big divide in resources and wealth in this country. Mm hmm. Yeah, no. So talking about that, like, and as we kind of, as we fast forward your life's journey, so what was your specialty as you became a doctor? Uh, so undergrad, you know, I did the routine, you know, a majored undergrad in biology and then uh, med school, you know, just the routine thing. I uh, went to University of Michigan undergrad and University of Michigan medical school because it was, you know, 30 minutes from home. It was home. It was like, have the best here. Why would I go anywhere else? All right. So, um, and then I uh, majored, um, did uh, a residency that specialized in internal medicine. And at that time, Divya, I was still thinking about, I want to be a geriatrician, you know, um, specializing, <laughs> taking care of senior citizens until I figured out as I was in the middle of my internal medicine residency uh, training, I realized then it was very sad to me. I realized that no one wants to take care of old people. Mm. And so I realized that internal medicine is the care of middle age and older. So why would I do a two-year fellowship delay getting, you know, um, you know, getting paid, you know, after you add up the hours, you know, close to minimum wage, um, you know, uh, because I'm still in training doing a fellowship for geriatrics when I'm doing geriatrics anyway. So, um, and in my last year, my senior year of uh, residency, internal medicine residency, uh, I was um, assigned to an area a community, um, uh, it was called a PACE program, Program for All-Inclusive Care for the Elderly. They needed a primary care physician. So I got to do that as part of my senior, uh, my last year of internal medicine training. So I knew there, no, I don't have to take the extra time to do a fellowship. So that's how, that's what I specialized in. And, and that's how I, uh, I ended up not doing a fellowship and, you know, not becoming a geriatrician, but by default, again, internal medicine, we're, we're, we're basically, it's the care of middle-aged and older on, on average. Right, right. So as you became a full-fledged doctor, did you start your own practice or work mm -hmm. in a hospital? Share with us your rest of your journey. So, Debbie, I knew that I did not want to uh, have my own practice because, mm -hmm. again, I thought back to I don't want to have to 
I realized that I don't want to have to charge. I know it sounds crazy, but I did not want to have to necessarily charge to take care of people for people to receive care. And so I knew that if my livelihood depended on my overhead of keeping the shop doors open, you know, keep, you know, hanging up a shingle and, and, and um, needing income to do it, that I can't be, I can't have, I can't be self-employed in terms of having a private practice. So I knew I always wanted to be an employed physician. And that would mean being affiliated with a, a medical center or hospital system that, um, actually sets up practices that have practices mm -hmm. affiliated with them. And what then why they would do that, you know, put all the expense into setting up a practice and then hiring the physician to staff it, outpatient practice and hiring a physician to staff it is because they know when those patients need to get their patients need to get admitted, they're going to get admitted to their facility. And right. that's where the money is, is an inpatient care. Inpatient is a fancy name for hospital care. So I that's how I started. And um uh, the thing is, is that we had my kid's dad, my husband at the time, my ex-husband, um, had, um, we, we were on either coast. We did our training on the West coast, East coast. And we decided that, you know what, he's going to open his practice, which was not a practice, actually his, um, to start his, um, his work which is hospital based. And so mm -hmm. we decided, you know what, um, we would go to his hometown, which at the time was like, you know, um, four hours from my parents and my family and um, an hour away from one of my best friends in, in medical school. So I thought this is perfect. And I swear about a year into it, Divya, I realized, you know what, I'm, I can't do this anymore. I'm not a small town baby anymore. I can't do this. And we have to, I was like, we have to, I can't do this. And uh, he always wanted to, my kid's dad always wanted to, his fantasy was to live in Manhattan. And uh, because his work is hospital-based and my specialty is primary care internal medicine, I can hang a shingle anywhere. He needed to find a position with a hospital first, and then I would follow. And uh, <laughs> uh, almost two years into it, um, into, you know, after uh, I finished residency and, and moved to this location with this hospital affiliated private practice, um, a position came open in Las Vegas and a position came open in New York City that my uh, kid's dad was, <laughs> was, uh, uh, had applied to. And, you know, he only applied to the one in, in, in New York City because that was his dream and the rest is history. We moved there. But in order for me to find a position, uh, I ended up finding a position working with the opposite of what I've been trained to do and was interested in doing um, at the time, which was uh, NYU had a student health center, right? So when their students, faculty and staff need care, you know, urgent care and that kind of thing, and just routine care, there's a student health center. And so... I had my internal medicine training also included some psychiatric training because the affiliated, there was a inpatient psych facility that was part of the hospital where I trained. So we ended up doing a lot of training there and became familiar and comfortable with, with psychiatric medicines, medications and things and psychiatric care. And so um, there was a posting <laughs> Uh, for um, a primary care physician with the NYU Student Health Center, 
but with a focus on eating disorders. And because I had done a little bit of that, you know, with the psych issue, the rest is history. So I applied there and, and uh, it was the complete opposite. It's basically you're dealing with adolescents, right? With student college student health. And, um, you know, I met, there were some faculty and staff, but mostly, you know, students, grad students. And uh, that's how I ended up just doing a complete 180 pivot uh, from where I'd been trained. And then after uh, being there for seven years, I left, uh, my oldest son was born and I knew that, you know, this is getting back to your original, I think the beginning of your question, Divya, which was, you know, I knew that I did not want to um, make my livelihood taking care of patients. Um, I, I knew mm. that I had to have a side business, something. Um, and I also needed to have a flexibility to be able to work from home or have flexible hours once I, you know, had a family, once I had young children or had children. And so I ended up uh, after taking a break after my, uh, uh, I have two boys that were, were born um, 18 months apart. Um, I realized, you know what, I've got to do something, um, but I don't, I can't go back to seeing patients one after another being trapped inside and not being able to have a flexibility being with my kids. So um, I started a business and then realized about two years into after starting the business, a few years into starting the business, it's actually more than a couple of years, uh, Debbie, what happened is my, um, I started this side business, which was uh, essentially personal care product development. So we had a launch product. Um, our launch product was something that helped people prevent razor bumps, which is ingrown hairs after you shave. And that's something mm -hmm. that happens a lot and particularly in people, the curlier your hair is, the more likely it is to happen, but it can happen can happen with uh, pubic hair, which can be very curly. So that was what my plan was. Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to run this company, and that's what we're going to do. And um, Divya. Uh, so as you kind of moved forward, what got you into looking at the medical bills? Yeah, so that's what happened. Uh, we... I realized, uh, unfortunately, my father passed away um, mm. suddenly, unexpectedly, when Sorry we had launched this book, and and um, to, that was supposed to be a marketing tool for the product. And mm -hmm. I realized, you know, it just a lot of life changes happening. They have insights you didn't see before, and I realized that I needed to be head of household. That my marriage needed to end, and I needed to be head of household with that realization. So I had to get a real job, Divya, mm. <laughs> with benefits because I was going to be head of household. And I needed to provide for my kids, right? And medical care, right, right. insurance, health insurance. So that's how I ended up with the uh, health insurance industry. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got into finding a, basically I thought, you know, I had a 360 degree view of the U.S. healthcare system after being on the provider side and then 10 years um, and the, as a healthcare insurance executive. And as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I thought I'd seen everything, you know, had a whole perspective, Divya. But it wasn't until I became a patient and I had been admitted to the hospital for emergency Mm -hmm. surgery and as I was recovering, my roommate and I would talk and I found out that she had been taken advantage of by the hospital's billing department at her last hospitalization. Uh, on her day of discharge, she was told that the billing department rep came in and told her that before you can leave, you have to sign an agreement saying that you will pay for the bill that your insurance does not cover. Well, Debbie, I tell you, the curtain dropped. I I was enraged because I knew that she had just, she was a very modest income family. She wasn't able to work. She had very young kids who weren't in school yet. So she wasn't able to work outside the home yet. And her husband worked at a 24-hour diner. So very, very modest income. I knew that she had signed away her family's financial future. Um, So now let's backtrack a little bit. Like nowadays, if you are in the ER, they make you sign anyway before they will give you. So we can talk about that. We can talk about what you're going to do in in that case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, you know, Divya, frankly, that's how crush medical debt was born because Mm. I thought, you know what, Virgie, don't get angry, do something, get to get, do something. And that's how crush medical debt was born. So tell us, like, uh, you talked about the situation that uh, she was being asked to sign after the care was delivered, I think. So now, as you kind of go in, they do ask you for your insurance card. And if you don't have it, they have you fill out the forms. So I'm assuming that they're having you sign the form that you are responsible for the care delivered. Yes. So when you're, if it's an emergency and you're in the emergency room, the thing is by law, by federal law, an emergency room, an emergency department cannot not provide care. They cannot refuse you care. They can't sh- transfer you out until you are treated and stable, medically mm. stable. So don't be afraid that you won't get care if it's an emergency, if you don't agree to everything. You know, they, um, this the system you know, understands that, you know, these are, this is our lives, our loved ones' lives, you know, limb Mm -hmm. and life. And so we're going to be, we're scared, we're frightened, we're in pain, or we're horrified, our brains aren't working because we can't think because we're so frightened and over or sick. And so we're barely conscious. So yeah, you're not going to, um, you, you are, we're kind of trained to think, okay, we'll sign anything. And they know that the system knows that. So what you're going to um, what you're going to do is understand that you don't have to agree to everything. What everything, the fine print, whatever is there, just because you need emergency care. So this is what you're going to mm. do when you go into the emergency room. 
they're going to ask you to sign this, sign that. Now, since post-COVID, I'm going to make a caveat. Post-COVID, instead of giving you forms, they have you sign a um, signature pad. And they say, this is what you're, you know, this is what you're signing. So it's just a signature pad, a metal bar with the stylus that's connected to the cashiers or the, the hospital mm -hmm. representative's computer. And that's it. And they say, sign here. Why would you sign something and you don't know what you're signing? Mm -hmm. And what they'll say is, well, you're saying, well, what am I signing? And now post-COVID, behind the barrier and behind the mask, they will say something like, well, this is where this is sign here. And if you can understand what they're saying, they'll say, well, this is just saying you agree to pay, you know, for the services that you receive. Right. Right. Um, but you don't know what you're signing. Mm -hmm. And so in the uh, going forward, if you sign what you, you haven't read anything, anything can be attached to that signature in the system. Right. It's so just, what would you recommend medical people center, do? Exactly. You've given that you've given that medical center, medical hospital system, that emergency department, uh, seriously, literally a blank signed check. So this is what you're going to do. You're never, ever going to sign one of those signature pads. You're going to ask for the information. It doesn't matter what they tell you. Oh, it's just for COVID precautions. Oh, it's just for privacy. doesn't matter. Anything that they never sign anything, tell them, I'm sorry, I can't sign anything. I need you to print it out for me. Ah. It doesn't matter how sick you are, how many people uh, are behind you in line. It doesn't matter. You're going to wait for them to print that out. And what mm. you're going to do is go to the part where it says, it looks like it's, I don't want, people think that it's too complex to make sure that they don't, that they have to read everything to make sure they're not getting taken advantage of and overpaying for their medical care. No, just look for something where it talks about finance. If you see finance or something in there or payment or billing or invoice, something like that, that's the area that you're going to focus on. Write a big X through it. Mm -hmm. And put your initials and then write in, I agree to pay Medicare rate. Ah, That's what you're going to write. Now, there are some people um, that do this work, meaning helping people who struggle with medical bills and doing financial medical financial literacy who say, well, two times Medicare rate. And like, you know what, if it's good enough for the federal government, it's good for me. And it's a it's it's you know a place to start. I say, you know, write in, I agree to pay Medicare rate. Okay, that's very powerful because that's what you're going to do. So you don't have to take yeah. the time okay. to think, oh my gosh, I left my glasses. Mm. I left my glasses. I can't see mm -hmm. what I'm reading. You know, have the person who brought you to the emergency room read it for you. Um, mm. You're not going to sign that bar and you're going to print out everything and look for the financial section where they talk about finances, X it all out and say, I agree to pay Medicare rate. They mm. are not going to... I guarantee you the folks, the physicians, those of us who are providing the care, we don't know. The folks who are providing care don't know what you've signed on to or what you haven't signed. They don't know. They just want to right. take, take care of you. They want to help you. So don't worry about that. It's not going to impact on your care. You will get stabilized before you get <laughs> before the administration calls the physicians and say, look, we're going to have to transfer her or him out because they don't have insurance or they only agree to pay Medicare rate or there's an issue, mm. but it's after you're safe. 
and stabilized by federal law. Okay. So let's say like uh, you have taken care of that and now there may be people who may not have heard of what you are sharing here today. So, and that's why all the more reason to create awareness and educate people. Let's say they have signed their life away and now they've got huge medical debt. What steps can they take to reduce it or eliminate it? So this is what we're going to do from now on going forward for the rest of our lives. Everyone who can hear my voice from now on, whenever you get a medical bill, wherever it's from, from a hospital, from uh, transportation, emergency transportation, meaning ambulance, uh, bill, a uh, services bill, um, outpatient physical therapy. From now on, you're going to apply the three steps of the only one right way, the only right way to pay a medical bill. So those three steps are one, you're going to take that statement that you've got in the mail. And Divya, I've been doing this for a while now, and I stopped calling it a bill because it's just usually nine times out of 10, it's just a fantasy. Uh, the first, um, the first um, uh, statement that you get is not usually nine times out of 10 a real bill. It is something that the system is hoping that you'll get tricked into believing as a real bill so you'll pay it. It's a fantasy. It's a wish. You're going to call the bottom of that. Um, they usually have billing department questions. Or if you want to make a payment plan call here, you're going to call that number but you're calling to say, I would like a statement or a bill with, and this is the key, CPT codes. CPT codes are to medical service in the United States are what barcodes are to products in a store. So just like every product in a store has a barcode on the service, in this case, in a store products that they offer, same thing with every single medical service that's provided in the United States has its own barcode, which is a CPT code. You're going to make sure that any bill that you get is, is not a real bill unless it has CPT codes, CPT mm. across. And underneath mm -hmm. is um, you're on, on one side, you're going to have like the date of service and um, maybe a brief description maybe of the service and then a five digit code that applies to that service. So that's the first step. That's the key mm -hmm. critical step to make sure you're not getting overcharged because how do you know what you're paying for, right? I go right. into the store, my favorite brand of, of um, bottled water might be Evian, right? But I'm particularly thirsty today. So I want the 16 ounce size and not the usual eight ounce size I get. Well, if I take it and swipe it, the barcode, uh, across the, the scanner, up will pop a brief description of the service, uh, in this case, the product, and the price that particular provider is charging for it. Same thing with medical. Right. Uh, no, that makes sense. And what's the second and third step? Yeah. So the second step is you're going to take those codes and you're going to basically do a price can scan. You're going to Google them you're going to put in that code. So uh, general example, uh, CPT code 99213 is a description of a type of outpatient office visit. So that's gonna pop up. And while you're there, you're, you're gonna, it may take you a little bit more time. 
you're going to find, you're going to Google what Medicare pays for that CPT code. You're going to do that for each CPT code that you have on that bill. And then step three, that Medicare rate, that Medicare price for each of those services, you're going to take them, total them up and call back in step three, the medical billing department, um, the medical facility billing department, patient accounts department and say, you know, the folks that you call to get the right bill in the first place with CPT coach, you're going to call them back and say, look, you know what, in my case, I know this bill for my emergency hernia surgery was $10,000. But in my case, it's $3,000. And this is what I'm willing and able to pay. But I can only afford $50 a month. I need, number one, an interest-free, and two, payment plan that I can afford, which is unfortunately only $50 a month. That's what you're going to do. Now, people will say, you know, it's going to take me forever to pay only $50 a month in these, you know, four or five-figure bills. Yeah, it will. And <laughs> it, you, you have to stay in your budget. You, I always tell people, you know, um, prioritize your, your shelter, you know, healthy shelter over your roof, over your head and that of your family and a way to be able to make income, to be able to take care of you and yours. So transportation, medical care comes last in terms of in order priority of your, um, your resources that you're going to spend. Because if you, if you overspend Let's say, you know, I only have $50 a month wiggle room at best um, in my budget for this bill. And even though it's going to take me five years to pay it off, 60 months to pay it off. Well, you know, if I try to stretch it to 100 and then I miss a car payment or mm. then I can't, it's a spiral that just goes downhill. So Definitely. So, Warji, like, you know, a couple of questions that are coming to my mind as we come to our end of the show is that... You mentioned that, like, okay, get the CPT codes, total it up. Now, what if the billing department says that we are not willing to accept your total? Mm -hmm. How can people go about and convince them? Oh, excellent. Thank you for asking that. So let me tell you why. Let me back up. They will say that. They'll say, you know what? If everybody paid just the Medicare rate, you know, we wouldn't be able to stay in business. Well, I don't know that that's true, but this is what I can pay. That's your response. Mm -hmm. And they'll also say, well, you know, they're, you know, they're trained to do this. They're trained to push back and, and it's reasonable. You're, you know, they're going to say, my gosh, you know, only $50 a month. Can you do a hundred? Can you do, you know, 150? Because it's going to take us forever to get paid. Oh, this will take years. Yeah, it will. But this is all I can do. And the reason why they're going to eventually accept it, Divya, is because there's a saying, you know, a little bit of something is better than all of nothing. They know that it's ultimately cheaper to agree to take an extended payment plan with you because they're less likely to have to chase you down the road for maybe non-payment and have to sell it to collections for, you know, literally pennies on the dollar. So. Mm -hmm. You know, you you are not you're not saying that you're not going to pay what you owe. You know, you're grateful for the services you received. You're just saying, you know what? I can't afford it. You know, I, I I didn't choose this. This is not consumer debt. I didn't buy this 
because I wanted to, you know, I became sick or, or injured or was in an accident. So um, that's why you're going to be persistent. And if you're still having a hard time getting the person you're talking with to say, okay, you know, we can work out, a, you know, a payment plan, we'll agree to this and put it in writing. Say, I always tell people, don't ask close-ended questions. Never ask a question that can be answered by yes or no, because that's mm -hmm. how people lie to you, you know, right? Right, right. Um, and so basically, you're going like to ask an open-ended question, who, who, what, when, where, right? Who can got I it, speak got it. with? Who can help yeah. me? Mm -hmm. Who may be able to help me with making a payment plan or making this payment plan? Who can and I speak to? Not right, right. Not is there somebody I can speak to who can help me? Meaning, yeah. and you're not going to you're not going to say, well, I want to speak to your manager, your supervisor, right? You're that's just a way to get them to shut down. Mm -hmm. So the and uh, you're going to say, who can I speak with, or how can I speak with someone who's able to help me? be able to come up with this uh, payment plan that I can afford. Mm -hmm. And what if like a uh, very quick and short answer to this, you mentioned about that going on a payment plan without paying an interest, why would it be in a hospital's interest to give you that? Again, so they don't have to chase you down the road. So they're doing what's called medical credit cards. You may have heard about them. And they're 0% interest for the first two years. Well, if you um, can't make all of those payments, you know, you can't pay the whole $3,000 in two years, that means the interest goes up. And if you miss a payment, that definitely goes on your credit report. And when your credit report um, score gets lowered, then that means your insur your car insurance rate goes up. Anything that you need, even getting a job, uh, unfortunately, your they look at your credit score. So if you make a direct one-on-one -on -one payment plan with the hospital or medical care system, that doesn't show up on your credit report. Mm. Whereas when as soon as you do, um, a, of course, a classic bank uh, credit card, even now the medical credit cards, you're, if you can't pay that off in two years in an interest-free time period and or you miss a payment, that's instant hitting your credit report. Well, very valuable information. And I'm sure regardless whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're a professional, this is something that I hope you never have to use in your life because I wish each and every one of you good health and a wonderful life that you all deserve. And yet at the same time, it's important to have a plan in place if something like this happens rather than just kind of keeping our heads in the sand like an ostrich and thinking, oh, this is not going to happen to me. So thank you so much, Dr. Warji, for a great episode, sharing so much information, very valuable information. If people wanted to reach out to you, where they can reach out? Uh, you can reach me at uh, doctor dot or dr dot virgie v i r g i e at crush medical debt, and you can also find me at crushmedicaldebt.com. Absolutely. Would you like to share any quick last words with our audience? Sure. You know, um, the without medical financial literacy, there is no financial stability in your family. 
And, uh, you know, consumer debt is not the same thing as medical debt. So don't feel badly if you get a medical bill you can't afford. Remember to apply the three steps of the only one right way to pay a medical bill. Save yourself sometimes tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars and save your your financial life and that of your family. Um, the crushmedicaldebt.com site, if you go there, you can download a copy of the three steps of the only one right way to pay a medical bill. Oh, fantastic. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Warji. And thank you, dear audience, for joining us because without you, our show would not be possible. And just like Jeannie reached out to us with her questions and we were able to bring you the expert that she needed. Reach out to us with any questions you have because we are here to support you live the life you want. So until next time, be well, take care, and thank you, Juan, for all the technical support. All right. Take care, folks. Thank you for being part of Beyond Confidence with your host, Divya Parikh. We hope you have learned more about how to start living the life you want. Each week on Beyond Confidence, you hear stories of real people who have experienced growth by overcoming their fears and building meaningful relationships. During Beyond Confidence, Divya Park shares what happened to her when she stepped out of her comfort zone to work directly with people across the globe. She not only coaches people how to form heart connections, but also transform relationships to mutually beneficial partnerships as they strive to live the life they want. If you are ready to live the life you want and leverage your strengths, learn more at www.divyapark.com. And you can connect with Divya at contact at divyapark.com. We look forward to you joining us next week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.